0: Brand new series, and the series is all about love. Where do we find it? Where do we get it? How do we overflow it into the lives of others? You and I need to learn about love because every single one of our relationships will be affected by the love that we receive or have the capacity to receive and give or have the capacity to give. Everyone, whether you're at work whether you're at home, whether you're at play or at a meeting, no matter where you are, your ability to receive love and your ability to give love will determine the joy in your life and your relationships. Now, the thing about love, though, is that when we're talking about love, we have to ask, where does it come from and what does it look like? Now today, we're going to focus on those two, where it comes from and what it looks like. I remember, I remember knowing when I was young that my mother loved me. And the reason that I know that she loved me was because when we would have a party, um, and you know, because like when you have a party at our house, they, like, pull out all the stops and, you know, like, make all the food, the pernil, the arrocon gandules. The, in, my, in my community, we had the, pla, you know, the uh, mangú or mofongo, depending on what uh, cultural background you come from. And so I remember my favorite thing was these boiled bananas with salt and olive oil. Anybody, is, is anybody down with these boiled bananas? If you don't know, you don't know. It's all right. Just go to some Spanish restaurant and ask them for some. But here's the deal. I remember that I would eat it and I would drown mine in olive oil, and I would eat it. And then my wife, my wife, my mother, um, my mother would say something like this, Edwin, you want mine? Always do that. She goes, and I knew she was hungry. Like I knew that she was taking care of everybody else and that she had, and that she would say, you want mine? And it's just, like I knew she loved me because she gave me her platanos. It was just so meaningful to me because I really wanted it and it was a real joy and it was a real delight. And I learned something at a very early age. That love is better demonstrated than it is talked about. That when, when you talk about love or rather when you experience love, you experience love to the degree that it's demonstrated. Now, you, can, you get this all over the place. I mean... You knew this, your boyfriend, ladies, your boyfriend knew this at 16, although he was trying to get it from a very poor angle. But like, all right, so like you hear this in songs, this idea that love is demonstrated um, better than it's spoken about. You hear it in songs, you read it in books, you check it out in magazines, you watch it in movies. It's, in fact, um, I because of our crew here, um for those of you who are young I'm going to give you a song that was probably before you were born it was in the 70s right it's um I want you to see if uh, you you know this song see if you know this song this is going to be fun all right and you come to me the oh my summer. gosh Don't you wish they sang like this during worship service, right? It's like, ugh, why don't they sing like that? Ugh. All right, but how deep is it? Like, but is it? But there's this incredible line, and the entire song is dedicated to this concept, this principle. It's, but it's me you need to not tell. It's not me you need to uh, convince. It's me you need to show. How deep is your love? If, if, uh, if you were um, uh, into pop music, there was this band called Extreme, and it had this, this song that I've grown to deeply hate the more daughters that I had, right? <laughs> and the, the, the song was called More Than Words. More than words is all you have to do to make it. Son of a. Man, listen. You know what he's saying. More than words is all you have to do to make what real? To to make your love real, all you have to do is show it to me other than words. What is he asking for? Right? Yeah, you know what he's asking for. Of course you do. Right? Because listen to me. Whether whether you're a teenage boy who wants his girlfriend to give him more than she's willing to give, or you're a little boy who recognizes the unbelievable gesture of a sacrifice, you know that love is better demonstrated than it is talked about. In fact, some of the most loving moments that you've ever had in your life are not moments where someone told you that they loved you but they showed you that they love you perhaps it was a visit to the hospital and they just sat there and they didn't say anything but they just sat there they didn't know what to say they just sat there and you were like oh, i just i'm just i feel so loved right now or maybe you were going through a really difficult time and they just gave you an ear and they just listened and it wasn't for a, an hour or a day but they they listened for a period of time showing you their affection. Maybe, maybe it was the sacrifice that you reflect back on that a parent made. You just thought that they were angry all the time and upset, but you reflect back and you go, oh my gosh, they were working all this time and they were exhausted just to show me any kind of help or affection. We all know that. We all know that. It's because the reason that we all know that is because God has put that in our hearts. You can be an atheist or you can be a Christian. You can be a follower of Christ or you can be a foe of Christ. But the fact is is that God has put in our hearts this desperate need to see love demonstrated for us and that when we love someone, we demonstrate it. You see it in your own life. Whenever you love someone, what do men do do when they are in love with a girl? They buy her flowers. Why? Because it's a demonstration of love. Love needs to be demonstrated before better than it's told. You see, all of us are longing for that. We long for it in our marriages. We long for it with our children and our parents. We long for it in our friendships. We long for it. And God says, I put that in your heart and I'm going to demonstrate it for you. In this series on love, what we want to see is how God loved us and then how we can therefore love others. In Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11, we're going to read all 1 through 11. We're really, really, really going to focus on three verses and then five benefits. Three verses and five benefits. But here's the big idea for today. Love Is not known till it's shown. Love is not known until it's shown. And God, God shows, not just tells, God shows his love to us. We see this in Romans chapter 5. I could have gone to a hundred different places in the Bible for this. Um, I want you to be able to see it in Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Um, Paul has in this letter, the writer of this letter, his name is Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing this letter and it's a deeply theological letter, a letter describing why they should believe what they believe and then giving them practical applications towards the end in how to live. Now, we see in Romans 5, 1 through 11, that Paul shares one of the most incredible truths that I pray will change your life. Let's, uh, let's stand for, before the Lord. Okay. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into, the, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Pause. Just take that in. While we were enemies of God, Christ gave the greatest demonstration of love. Let's read on. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Love is not known till it's shown. Love needs to be demonstrated in order for us to be moved by it. We are not moved by talk, even though it's sweet to hear someone say, I love you, it is powerful when it is demonstrated. But some of us don't have the capacity to see the demonstration. Some of us don't have the capacity to see the love that's being described here. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to try to illustrate it. I'm going to try to maybe say a funny thing or two, but I'm telling you, you got to ask God to open your eyes to see this love because it's a love that no matter how eloquently I speak will pale in comparison to the actual love that God has demonstrated. You see, I am trying to tell you about something that was done. I am trying to make you know something that was already shown, and I want you to ask the spirit of the living God to open your eyes. Your heart to this incredible affection that God has shown, not for you, like the Recovery House of Worship, this group of people here, but you, the person sitting in your seat, the person with all your brokenness, the her- person with all your hang-ups, the person who was told, you know, that God will never love you or that you're going to be just like and then fill in the blank, or the person who thinks that they're so broken That they could never receive God's love. In fact, you know you can't receive God's love, and you have proof. You have evidence. You have historical and reliable evidence that you go back to, to prove to yourself that God cannot love you. I'm telling you, I struggle with this. I struggle with receiving the love of God, the love of God that is for you, the love of God that will not abandon you, the love of God that is better than life. One of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, said it this way, and I'm going to try to say it as passionately as he would say it, do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. That he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain. That he loves you when your intellect denies it, your emotions refuse it, your whole being rejects it. Do you believe that God loves you without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not as you should be. Do you believe that? If you don't, I want you to ask God, give me, give me, give me faith to believe that you love that radically. Listen to me. Listen. For the born winner, the one who succeeds at everything, listen to me, your successes don't make God love you anymore. And for the born loser... Your failures don't make him love you any less. He will pursue you with a stubborn, persistent love. You cannot dissuade him. He will not be turned back. He will pursue you with a love that cannot be denied. And I don't care what anybody else said. I don't care. Listen, what's your deal? I don't know, I got so many deals, it's a lot, right? I got a lot of deals. God can't love me. God can't love me because I have this same sex attraction that I've been wrestling with my whole life. God can't love me, I'm broken. God can't love me because I've sinned too deeply in order to be forgiven as much as He says. I mean, I've done things, listen, we've shared this before. Can we talk? If you knew all about me, you might not want me to be your pastor. And I'm okay with that because I realize if I knew all about you, I might not want you to be my parishioner. (laughs) But here's what we know. God knows all about us. And he invites us. He petitions us. He draws us. He lets nothing stop him from loving us deeply. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know God's answer is this. You see, at just the right time, verse 6, at just the right time, at just the right time, when all that God had said came about, when all the things that were setting up from history, All convened at the appropriate moment at just the right time. And not only at just that right time, but in this moment at just the right time. You couldn't receive God's love. You couldn't hear of the love of Christ. You wouldn't even be caught dead in a church gathering up until this moment. But you've had enough pain and sorrow. You've had enough setbacks and and, and been hurt enough that perhaps you're right now opened up. Like you never were before, but at just the right time, when we were still powerless. God's love is not coming to you because you have somehow made it 90% of the way and then God will make it 10% of the way. The idea that you are loved by God because of anything that you have done is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you've done something to earn God's love, you can do something to lose God's love. God says, I'll have nothing of it. I love you because I love you. I love you because I pursue you. I love you because my love is that grand and your grimy is no match for my grace. Your left turns is no match for God's love. He will pursue you. You go, but no, but God hates me. You know God hates me. He hates people like me. He hates people who have done what I've done. He hates people who are what I are. He hates me. No. No, you're not listening. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know. You see, at just the right time, when we were still Powerless. When you see the word we, would you just insert your name? When Edwin was still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, on the count of three, this is going to be a tough test. I want to see if you can pass. I want you to point into this room who you think the Bible means by ungodly. I want you to point on the count of three. One, two, three. Point to the ungodly. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Listen to me, listen to me. For you, for you, for you. Take it personal. It's for you. You are the ungodly. You are the unworthy. We come to God not because of our worthiness, not because of our godliness. We come to him because we're desperate. We come to him like we call We call out to God like we call out to a lifeguard when we're drowning in the ocean. If they do not save us, we don't at that point need a helper. We don't at that point need a lesson. We at that point need a saving. And that is what God gives us. He gives us a saving that while you were still powerless, while (coughs) while you had nothing in you to commend yourself to God, God does the impossible. Christ died for the ungodly. Then Paul says this impossible thing. He goes, I know, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds impossible. You can't believe that, right? Think about how many people do you have in your life? In fact, Paul is kind of alluding to this because what he's saying, he recognizes sounds absurd and preposterous. No one's ever going to believe this. He goes, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Verse 7. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Now, go down your mental list. How many people do you think are willing to die for you? Just go down your list, right? Not a whole lot, right? Like right now, you might have no, Matter of fact, you might want to call on your phone and go, Ma, are we all right? Because... (laughs) That's about the only person I can think of that can possibly say with great confidence, I would give my life for that person. It's a very, very, to give your life is to sacrifice everything, to lay down your life, to say there is no one more precious to me than you. I love you more than I love myself. People talk like that. There was one who did more than talk. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And there is where we get our big idea for today. God doesn't tell of his love. He demonstrates it. Because love is not known till it's shown. Love is not known until it's shown. You ever wonder why Jesus had to come and die? Why didn't just like God just go like open the heaven? Like why didn't just Jesus like, right? He's, he just come and he just go, hey, You guys, forgiven, everything, even you too, Joe, I see you back there, everything. Why didn't he do that? Because that message would not have made it out of the first century, isn't that true? In fact, Jesus tried to do that. He literally, like he would go to, how many times did Jesus go to a person and says, your sins are forgiven? And what was their response? Psh, who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy? Tell him you're You can't listen. You can't forgive other person's sins. The only thing you can forgive is sins that were committed against you, right? Like, let's say, for instance, someone robs George's car, and I go to the to the thief. I go, don't worry, I forgive you. George is like, that was my car, right? Like, it's an absurd thing to forgive someone else on behalf of what they did to someone else. How could Jesus forgive? Because, listen to me, because Jesus is the author of life, and for your entire life, you have been denying him rulership and surrender. And because of that, we owe him our lives. And so, the author of life When he hears the song welling up in our hearts, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know. He goes, let me show you. Let me show you. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still. Someone say still. 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 Sinners. Christ died for us. I don't know. Like if that doesn't stir you, I don't know how to make this real for you. That while you were, listen, while you were shaking your fists at God, any fist shakers, I've shaken my fist at God. While you were cursing his name, He's like, nothing you say will deter me. I will love you till the end. There's nothing, nothing, nothing you can do to stop me from showing you, demonstrating to you, my love, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know. That while you were enemies of Christ, while you ran from him, while you did your own thing, while you told everyone that you needed nothing, that you were spirit You're not a religious person. You're spiritual. While you were disfrutando. How do you say that in English? While you were enjoying. While you were enjoying. The benefits of God's grace, the breath. Everybody take a deep breath right now. One, two, three. That's a breath given to you by God while you were enjoying the breath that God had given you. You were doing it in a way that was rebellious and you said, I want nothing to do with you. God demonstrates his love that while you were yet sinners, Christ died. I have here five benefits that you get. Receive the love of Christ. Receive the love of Christ. Let me just give you five benefits that are in the text and I'm just going to go by them really fast. The benefits of God's love is peace with God. That while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. You now have access to God. Could you imagine? It used to be that the best you could do was the best you could do. But now you don't, that's not the the end or the limit. Now you have access to God. Now you can petition the one who has all the power and all the ability and all the hope. Peace with God, you see that in verse 1. Access to God, you see that in verse 2. Hope in God. Check this out. Our hope is not in the future, our future. um, Our hope is not in our preferred outcome in the future. Do you understand? In other words, my hope is not that this coronavirus thing will go away. My hope is not that the world will go back to the way it was. My hope is not that uh, Russia will stop invading Ukraine or, or that some other war that we don't hear about ceases. My hope is in Christ. And it can be in Christ because he is worthy of that affection. Because he died for me, I can rest my life in him. Another benefit of God's love Is God's love. It's His love. You get to experience God's love. And then, that's in verse five, and then also get God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us. This is incredible. But you gotta receive it. You gotta receive it. So, I occasionally watch movies. When I do, it's usually relational, like my. Children will ask me, "Hey, let's go to a movie," or something like that. I almost never watch horror movies. I just—I've—I ex- don't know about you. I've experienced enough horror in my life. I don't need to—I don't need to pay to watch that. Like you know, you want to be scared? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I grew up. <laughs> like I can tell you stories. I'm not—I'm not interested in horror movies. But my daughter uh, was—my um, daughter. I don't know, was, is, in love with, I think his name is John Krasinski. Yeah, um, yeah. she goes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's, I know that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, that's great. Um, and, and there was a, a movie, it was called, uh, I believe it was called The Silent Place or The Quiet Place? Quiet and, quiet, quiet Place, thank you. And in the, in the movie, The Quiet Place, it's this, um, it's this incredibly dramatic, it was actually a very powerful movie, um, and it's the story of this, uh, this family who's uh, experiencing sort of like a post-apocalyptic uh, version of the future. Aliens have come, they don't have eyes, but they have ears, so everything has to be done Silently, at the very beginning of the movie, at the very beginning of the movie, there's uh, these three children. The oldest daughter, the middle son, and then the youngest son, who's is as cute as a button. The boy wants this plane, this toy plane. They walk into town. As they get into town, by the way, spoiler alerts. Um, uh, sorry, if you want to watch the uh, movie, I'm going to mess it all up for you right now. At the very beginning of the movie, however, the boy grabs a, 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 a plane, one of those planes that every one of our kids we've seen, if you have had younger brothers, you know, it's the ones with the lights and the sounds. Maybe some of y'all have had, like, you know, ambulances or cop things. Pew, pew, pew. Well, these aliens, they respond to their hearing. They're, they're super sensitive in their hearing, and they don't have eyes, but they have hearing. So the boy gets it. The father says, absolutely not. Puts it down. And the daughter, thinking it unfair that her father denied the boy this wonderful gift. Why would he do such a thing? What he does. Yes, you didn't think this was going to be multimedia, right? Everything was planned. She gives him the toy. She gives him the airplane. And as they're walking, he's uh, messing with this, the batteries. And the father, uh, one of the children are sick, and so he has the ch- one of the child on his back, which is a beautiful metaphor of how we walk with Christ. He has this child on his back walking when he doesn't have the strength himself to walk. And he's moving forward. And in a movie that has been utterly silent, we hear one of our first sounds. It's the sound of the siren of this plane going off. The father terrified, turns around. The children are frozen in fear. He starts running at the boy with all of his strength, and this monster comes, and before he gets in, before he can blink, just destroys the boy, kills him instantly. You fast forward, and the relationship between the daughter and the father is now strained. The relationship between the daughter daughter and the father is now strained, not on the basis of anything that the father has done, but on the basis of what the daughter feels about how he thinks of her. You see, she has committed the unpardonable sin. She has her sin is too great. She harmed too great. The harm that she did was too much. She could never be forgiven. And so there is this tussle, and there's this, uh, there is this resistance, and she gets angry. And her father, what he does, she has this like earpiece. And, and what he does is he spends his time trying to fix the earpiece to help her to hear. As they go through uh, this throughout the movie, there's a point of critical mass. They're all going to die. They've, been, uh, they, they've had another baby. And because of that, that baby is making sounds that are attracting the beasts and all that other stuff. And there comes this point where the... Um, The uh, child, the daughter, she's in this car. She's in the car. And it's like an escape car, but she can't leave because the monster is on top of it and it's shredding the top of the car. And the father is too far away to help. And the daughter looks up. I cry when I think of this because I think... I think Jesus is like this for us. The daughter looks in terror at her father. And he signs to her because she can't hear obviously. He signs to her. I love you. I've always loved you. And at that point, he yelled, he lets out this blood curdling scream that the monster hears and he runs towards him. And you know what happens. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to know. You might have thought that your sin was unforgivable that what you did, God could never come back to you and express his love. But God says, I I, I could show you better than I could tell you. And so he lays down his life. Not in an instant against a monster, but on a torture cross. And he dies for your sins. Beloved, You will never be able to love in any great degree, in the degree that is selfless as Christ is described in the Bible until you receive this incredible love of God. Won't you receive this incredible love of God? Because if it is a fact that love is not known until it's shown, Christ has shown you. Won't you take it personal? Now, Before we take communion, let me share with you that you need to receive this love. For those of you who already knew it, I want you to just go ahead and be affirmed in what you already know. For those of you who are fighting against it, you are fighting against love. Why are you fighting against love? To receive Christ in our church, we say it's as simple. We try to distill the gospel to receiving Christ in this. We say it, it's as easy as A, B, C. One, admit that you're a sinner. Just believe what God, admit that Jesus is right about you. Admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Christ, I can't admit I'm a sinner. I've been told that my whole life. If I believe that, I'll just crumble and die. Beloved, listen to me. It's the pathway to, to hope. You will never know that Christ is all that you need until he's all that you have. Beloved, respond to that love. First, admit that you're a sinner. Be Believe, believe that Christ died on the cross, that while you were his enemy, he died on the cross for you so that you could know him and live in him. Believe that his death on the cross is sufficient for your grimy, for your guilty, for your shame. Believe that. Nothing you can do to earn it. He's earned it for you. A, admit. B, believe. Say that with me. A, admit. B, believe. C, commit. Commit your body to Christ and commit to the body of Christ. Let me explain both of those. Say, God, listen, I admit that I'm a sinner. And and don't just say, I admit that I'm a sinner, but just... Let your mind go over those sins that you think that nobody could forgive you for or that God can't forgive you for. Let your mind wander and go, God, can you forgive me for that? You just hear him say yes. Because all you're doing when you're asking that is how deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to, yes, my love is that deep. My love is that deep. You commit. You admit it. You believe that his death is sufficient for your forgiveness. And see, you commit your body. God, whatever you want my body to do, that's what I want to do. God, wherever you want my body to go, that's where I want to go. Whatever you want my body to say, that's what I want my body to say. The way, where you want my body to serve or, or, or sit or, I just want to, it's just, my body is yours, God. You be the boss of my body. So you commit your body to Christ, and you commit to the body of Christ. In the Bible, the church community is called the body of Christ. The reason it is is because we are his, among other things, we are his hands and feet on this earth. And so we need each other because you see stuff in me that I really need to change. And if I don't have your eyes my heart and my life will not be conformed into the likeness of Christ. We need each other. It's why we gather together. We're not having a service. We are building a life as we come here Sunday after Sunday, being transformed and renewed into the image of Christ. Commit your body to Christ. Commit to the body of Christ that we might do this together. Beloved, come to Christ receive him now don't wait now if you want you can do that right now just go god i want to receive you i want to turn my back on sin i admit what you say about me is true teach me what that means i want to believe you i believe that you died for my sins and i want to commit my body and commit to this body you can do that right now. Be specific when you confess your sins. Now, if you want to do that, you can have. Well, you can do that right now. Don't let me stop you. We gather together, among other things, to remember how deep His love is for us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared with us something to remember and never forget. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Listen to the words. Broken for you. deep as your love, my body was broken for you. And then at that same meal he took a drink and he said this is the new covenant in my blood this is how I'll seal it my sacrifice And then he says, don't forget me. If there are those of you who would like to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you want to admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died for you and that he's effective in forgiving you in his death. Commit your body to him.